What's going on, coaches? We're really excited about this week. We are now opening up our premium membership on our website, runthepower.com. Uh, our standard free membership is still going to be out there. We encourage every coach that listens to this, go ahead and be a part of that standard free membership. It'll always be free. There won't be as many videos. We won't update it as much, but still really good content on it. Uh, with our premium membership, uh, you'll be a premium member. You'll have access to talk to us, set up meetings with us. And then the big, the really cool stuff to us is, is the install that we've put in there. We've already put in some inside zone install. We'll add a little bit more uh, throughout the month. And then once uh, August, September comes around, we'll add even more and we'll add a little bit halfway through that month. So that's kind of how the premium membership goes. You'll also get discounts on on a lot of other different things that we'll be doing uh, throughout the years and on merchandise and, and different things uh, periodically throughout the year. Uh, we're really excited about it. We're really excited to help you guys. We're excited to keep learning ourselves. Uh, and so you guys go check that out again. Everyone go be a part of that standard free membership. It'll always be free. And then check out the premium membership. We think uh, we think we've kept it cheap and and it's you know twelve dollars a month, which is you know one one nice meal out at Wendy's, a couple uh, a baconator and a frosty. So um, we've tried to keep it cheap. You can go and save the twenty four dollars if you buy it for the whole year. Uh, but we're excited about it, and we're excited to continue helping out coaches and, and helping ourselves learn as well. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletics programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Visit their website site and start a 14-day free trial. And right now, Team Builder is offering coaches a complimentary in-season football strength program. As we've talked a lot about on the podcast, and as many of you recall from last year, uh, the New England Patriots were squatting up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. Uh, if your in-season strength and conditioning philosophy is just to maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the template once you start a 14-day trial, free trial with Team Builder. Uh, just reach out to them and tell them that you heard it from us and the RTP podcast. Uh, go visit Team Builder at teambuilder.com. This episode is also powerfully brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level. With new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one -on -one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout their expansion of their product offerings, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Go visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at info at sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. And then last but certainly never least is SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. I'm lucky we get to use SkyCoach. Uh, our OC gets the wide shot. I get a butt shot, and I get it within uh, one second of the previous play ending. So it works great for us. We can show the kids, and there's no question about where a defense is lined up during the game because it can get difficult at times, uh, depending on what stadium you're at, if you're just looking from the sideline. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. SkyCoach is the market leader in sideline replay. You can go visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. And finally, on this episode of RTP, we talk with Eric Shenander. Coach Shenander is the defensive coordinator at the University of Nebraska. Prior to Nebraska, he was the DC at the University of Central Florida, where he was a part of Scott Frost's staff that helped lead the biggest two-year turnaround in NCAA football history from winless in 2015 to undefeated national champions in 2017. Listen as we talk with Coach Shenander about his football journey, growing up in Iowa, working his way up the ladder with stops at UNI, Oregon, and the Philadelphia Eagles, his tight relationship with his staff and Coach Frost, and many different ways you can simplify and improve your defense and calls. 
practices, and meetings so players can develop faster with more reps and deeper learning. You guys can go follow Coach Shenander on Twitter, at Coach Shenander. Hope you guys enjoy. What's it? What's an off season like? How how does it differ? Uh, you know, going to a a new school as opposed to you know seeing the same being in the same you know, different conference even as opposed to like being in the same conference year after year and kind of already having an idea of, of the team you're going to play. Yeah, I think there's there's a little more you know there's a little more self scout stuff going on when you're at the same place over and over as opposed to now we're a little more opponent scout. Um, but it could be the same, you know, if you're at the same school and other people change head coaches or coordinators. Uh, but, you know, a great thing for us was, you know, Coach Frost brought the whole staff along. That made things very, very easy to transition, very, very smooth. So, um, but it, it was a it, – it's a really easy transition for us. Now I think we just got to get to know our team and get to know the people in the league. Chins, talk a little bit about – you know, kind of how you met Scott. I mean, was it was it something you knew early on? I, I don't know if you guys met before you were at UNI, but were you kind of like, you know what, hey, we clicked right away. You guys were good buddies. And then you, you probably could see that his star was on the rise. And you're like, hey, man, I, I think you'd be a great guy to work for. Was it something like that? Or was it something where you kind of had to earn his trust? You know, just talk a little bit about your guys' kind of early goings in the relationship and how it kind of blossomed from there. Yeah, I think we had met a couple times before, but, um, you know, he was he was at Kansas State um, as a graduate assistant after he got done playing in the NFL, and I was at Northern Iowa. Um, he was looking for a job, and I think we really um, connected at a coaching convention that year. I can't even remember where it was. I think it was San Antonio, maybe. Um, but, you know, through that process, he ended up getting the job at Northern Iowa and did an unbelievable job there, and we became – uh, friends pretty quickly and then um, you know friends is one thing and, and then guys you want to work with is another so I think we were we were friends we were friends really really quickly and then like you said I probably had to earn his trust as a guy that he would want to work with um, you know if he if he got a head job and I think I think I knew right away that he had it whatever it is I think I knew that he was on the rise I didn't know if he was going to be you know the head coach of of you know northern iowa or nebraska or the new england patriots but i thought he was going to be something and I, I wanted to be part of it and then i think throughout that course i was on a you know whatever it was a five six seven year interview with him and you know things things ended up working out pretty well for me and him i, w I would say that they most definitely did uh talk talk a little bit about too you know earning that trust because you know coach nelson uh you know i work for coach nelson at, at ankeny and it's kind of you know the the mutual connection that you and i have um and he's told me so many stories about you and and how you know when you were a ga and, and when you were working in, in quality control and assistant stuff with the eagles he said i mean you, you would get your work done like super fast um and you're one of those guys that, that you know for whatever reason you, you could really understand things figure things out technology wise you know, talk a little bit about kind of that grind for you and, and your learning curve and, and maybe your, your you know, process of thinking. Because we get a lot of GAs that listen to this podcast, you know, and they want to move up in the business. What were some of the things that you did to, to earn that trust and, and kind of get that, that reputation of a guy, you know, that's going to get things done? Yeah, I think, um, well, and you, you know, you mentioned Rick Nelson and a lot of the other guys at, at Northern Iowa, Bill Solomon, and obviously Mario Verduzco's with us and, um, a ton of other guys that are there. I know you guys had Jeremiah on the other day, and he's a heck of a football coach and a heck of a friend of mine. Um, but I think as soon as I went in there, you know, you, you, you quickly realize that you think you know everything and you know nothing. Exactly. And, and that was that that was what it was for me. Like I thought, you know, all right, I'm stopping at Ellsworth Community College, and then I'm going to make a pit stop here at Northern Iowa, and then I'm probably going to be – you know, at least the the coordinator or the head coach at Notre Dame here in about a year, <laughs> and then and then <laughs> you know, and then, and then I get to Northern Iowa and there's unbelievable coaches there, and I don't know anything. And so, what I knew I had to do was I needed to get my work done fast. I needed to figure out the programs. I needed to do what I was supposed to do, my part of the game plan, 
um, which started off as a very little chunk and became um, much, much more as, as time went on, as I earned that trust. But I needed to finish my stuff. And then I remember going in with Mario Verdusco at 4.30. I'd meet him every morning at 4.30, and we would just I would just listen to him talk about the pass game. I would try to go to the quarterback meetings, and then I would try to meet with, you know, Frost and talk about the linebacker meetings, and I would try to get with Willie and see what he was going to do. Um, but I, I think it, it wasn't so much that it was just me being able to, you know, being smarter than everybody figuring everything out. It was just I knew I needed to because there was so much more I needed to learn. And can I get with Nelly and, and talk about the run game and, and those types of people. But I had great guys around me that wanted to teach me. Um, and I think I earned their trust when I could, I could even get, you know, their stuff done for them. You know, Nelly, Hey, I can drop all the run game. If you need me to, don't worry about it. You work on your stuff. And then in turn, if you could give me a half an hour later and teach me what you're telling these offensive linemen, that would, that would be unbelievable for me. And it just worked out really well. And, I had a bunch of great guys around me teaching me, and it, it couldn't have been any better for me. Would you say that was, uh, you know, one of the one of the big moments for you is, is learning so much on the offensive side to to help with defense? Because we had a lot of coaches come on that say, you know, that really, uh, you know, say to all the new coaches, hey, if you can, you know, coach on both sides of the ball, it helps you so much on the side that you want to be on. Anyways, uh, was that a? I want to say. Was that a you know big help for you uh, learning on both sides of the ball? A absolutely, and the the second time, it, it, I'll, I'll start it off by saying this: we have some graduate assistants, you know, with us for the last few years or whatever. That um, now I get a little more say in, into their development as coaches, and I really want to help them develop. And sometimes I'll suggest they go to the offensive side, and they're like, "Oh, coach, you know, I'm not an offensive guy; I'm a defensive guy." And I say, "Hey, you know what?" I believe you. I think that that's what you should be, but this will help you. Um, you know, if, if, you know, Johnny Miller becomes a, an offensive or a head coach and he says, I need the tight end coach. Do you want me to be able to recommend you? And they mm -hmm. say, well, of course. And I say, well, then you, you got to get some experience over there. And if you're an O-line guy only or, or a D-line guy and you haven't had a lot of special teams, um, you know, work, then you need to move positions a little bit as your GA just so you get a little special teams work because you never know who's going to call you for what job, and they may want to know about your special teams repertoire. Um, the second time I realized I, I didn't know anything was after breaking down film on offense for seven years or eight years or whatever it was at Northern Iowa and Ellsworth, I went to the defensive side of the ball, and I started listening to these guys talk, and I was like, man, you know what? what I've been doing for eight years worked out all right for us. It worked out in our breakdowns, but I had really no idea what those guys were doing. And, and so I think it, it gives you, once you go to both sides of the ball, it really, it really helps you understand what the other side's trying to get done. If you're game planning, what, what the other team is, is doing really, what they do well, what their game plan is, how you can take away what they do best. Um, but I think a lot of coaches get pigeonholed because they're only a running backs coach or a tight ends coach and B they really don't know what's going on the other side of the ball, even though they think they did. I thought I knew everything. And once again, I knew nothing. <laughs> once you got to the defensive side, you know, what kind of made you, were you always kind of an odd front guy or it was that just kind of something you, you kind of went to by default personnel you know, I, I know once you took over at UCF, you, you'd taken an even front defense because we'd played them at, at Tulsa and you made them an odd. Talk to me a little bit about yeah. the evolution of your philosophy based on that. I think um, originally, you know, when you're a young guy, just like everybody does, you always say, well, if I'm a head coach or a coordinator on either side of the ball, this is what I would do. And originally I think I thought I would be a four down guy. Um, obviously my – playing experience grew up in a four down system and all that kind of thing but when we got to Oregon um, you know coach Kelly strongly wanted us to be an odd front he did not want us to show where the the, the three technique and the shade were going to be um, because obviously with those guys it's, if they know where the three is at they can read the three and read the five and read the shade and know where the safety roll is and all that kind of thing um, so we kind of were forced to not invent but you know come up with a new system 
where you could play some four down stuff in out of the three man front. Um, and I really liked the system we came up with. It wasn't so much, you know, the, the schemes, it wasn't so much the calls. It was really the system. And I've been able to tweak that system as we moved along. So we can kind of play, we can play the four down stuff. We can play the three down stuff. We can play the 50 front. We can play whatever we want. Um, we just have a really good system right now. And I think it's versatile. I think it helps us defend uh, multiple offenses. And I, I really like it right now. I do too. You know, like being able to sit in some of your meetings, I, I think, you know, I, I was in one meeting and, and I felt like, you know, I, I had a, a relatively good grasp of a lot of the concepts you do and obviously not, you know, super in depth and things like that. But, you know, the, the way that you guys do have that set up, I think is, is phenomenal. And, and obviously that's done on purpose. Um, the other thing I noticed in your guys' meetings too, is when you guys did watch film as a staff, you guys had kind of a system of, you know, how, how you're tagging plays. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how, how you tag things, how you build your cutups, maybe how you use that to teach? Because I think a lot of the coaches that listen to our podcast are also, you know, looking for, for small things. And I think, you know, being able to meet more efficiently is one of the things that all of us can, can do as coaches. Uh, yeah, are you talking about when the guys are building the cutups within our, our staff meetings? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, Exos has it right now. And I'm sure I'm sure DB Sport and Huddle has it too, but we have the shopping cart feature on Exos, where it allows us to put in as many numbers as we want. You know, we use I think nine, and mm-hmm. so every position coach has their has their own number. Um, I have a number. We have a number for repeats. We have a number for um, you know turnovers. Anything you want to label um, while you're watching that film, and as we kind of go through there. You know, if if the nose guard makes an error, the defensive line guy yells out number two. That's his number. If the if the linebacker has a misread and he wants it for his meeting, the linebacker coach yells four, and the, and the GA has the keyboard and he's just kind of tagging those as we go along. And then by the time we're we're done watching the film, everybody has a cut up made. We we distribute the uh, the cut ups, and then you know some guy might have twelve, some guy might have seventy, but everybody has their individual cut up. We don't have to waste time after we watch it as a staff. Go back again and watch it and make your own individual cut-up. It's already made. Now you just have to go through in detail. And I think it's a, it's a really great feature that doesn't get utilized a lot in, in a, lot of, a lot of programs. There's no question. I thought it was awesome. And then do you take, like, you know, your, your guys' cap off or your guys' turnover uh, film? Is that something you show the whole defense? So I know it was a spring practice. Is that something you guys kind of start off the, the meeting with? You know, how many clips do you show the entire defense before you guys do your breakouts? Yeah, it kind of varies. You know, like I'll take them on Monday morning. I'll take, excuse me, I'll take, yeah, I'll take them on Monday morning and I'll take them on Monday night and then sometime during the week. And it, it kind of varies depending on what I need or, or what we want um, to get out of it that week. But sometimes it'll be every day and sometimes it'll be once a week. But I, I love to keep track of those turnovers. That's, that's just something we, um, you know, we focus on, we're very vocal about, and I like to, I like to show those reels because I really believe if, if you build those habits and practice, they're going to come over to the game and, and it's kind of cool for those kids to, to watch. The only, the only thing we really keep as production boards in, in our, in our meeting rooms throughout the year is we, we keep the turnover reels and we keep force fumbles. We keep fumble recoveries. We keep interceptions. We keep sacks and we give them whether they're, you know, if it's even close, because obviously Coach Frost is a quarterback, so the whistle gets blown pretty quickly. So if it's any, if it's you know, so if it's anywhere close, we give it to him. But I think the good thing is, is those kids are dying to see that production board, and they'll argue it, and they'll know what play it is. And once they know what play it is, that means they've watched the film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a really cool thing to to see it to see it kind of to come to life in those meeting rooms when they know that, you know, they, they get discouraged if maybe even they're the best player, but they just don't have production up on that board that really gets under their skin, you know, throughout the week. So I think, I think it's a really cool thing. And then we have the cut up to prove it. So that's kind of what we focus on. Coach in practice, you know, you always hear, uh, or not always, a lot of times you hear defensive coaches, especially on an up-tempo practice that are, you know, aren't as happy as the offensive coaches because everyone's coaching really fast. You got to get a bunch of different things in the next place going. Uh, and I know you guys, you know, have obviously tempo to your offense. And so 
you know, uh, well, Coach Wall said an up-tempo practice. So how do you kind of use that to your advantage? I know that's one thing that Coach Wall said that, that he was so excited to see was just how many coaches were. And it wasn't like stopping practice. It was like, you know, kind of going on the fly, teaching things as they go, and, and not stopping a whole practice for one guy's mistake. So how do you use that to an advantage to really get a whole lot more reps for your guys? Well, I think, I think number one, you know, when I went, when we went to Oregon, you know, I obviously like everybody, you always question everything. And <laughs> the great thing about Chip is you, you're allowed to quit. You're allowed to question everything. You should know why the kids should know why. And I'm kind of like Chip, you know, I need to, I need to teach this kid. I need to pull him aside and, and, and tell him what he did wrong. And he's like, well, you think that we should all waste two minutes while you <laughs> teach that kid? <laughs> then we're then we're wasting two minutes per a hundred other guys, so we're wasting two hundred minutes while you taught one guy. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's a very good idea. <laughs> so I think we kind of embraced that philosophy a little bit. Um, but now it, it's just it, it's helped us in so many ways. Number one, it's helped us develop our defensive system. We have one word calls, two word calls, easy hand signals. And the kids can run any defense we want by by just tweaking a word, just like a spread offense would be. So we've adopted the spread offense philosophy into our defensive playbook, which has helped us tremendously. Um, number two, we get we get more reps. I think the, the the key to life is repetition, and 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 so we can get instead of getting you know that we saw the the one back power one time versus the ones, we get to see it versus the ones, the twos, and maybe the ones again. Um, so I, I think reps is key for us. Uh, it also allows, you know, I think if you're going to be a fast-paced deal, I don't think you have to be, but but I think if you're going to be, you you need to be on the same page, offensive staff, defensive staff, whole whole cultural staff, as to what your your keywords are going to be, and you have to coach those keywords in meetings and in practice, and, and so it allows you to do that. You know, like for an example, if you're if you're coaching the Mike linebacker instead of saying, "All right, you read you read the guard, you got a high hat, you're going to shuffle out, you're going to drop two yards outside the hash, you're going to look at the quarterback's eyes, now you're going to find the near receiver." You know, instead for for us, we we would say, "Hey, read the guard, drop to your landmark, QB key ball out break, eyes before feet," and we would say that over and over and over and over and over in the meetings and in practice. <laughs> And those kids know what we know what we're talking about. So it, I, I think when you do it the other way, it's a lot of words, it's a lot of verbiage without a lot of meaning. Um, the other thing it allows me to do is I can coach effort and I can coach communication on the field and the position coaches can coach technique and assignment, but I can, I can really get around. I can run around screaming like a crazy person about effort and communication. And then I can coach up football, um, in the meeting room. And I just think it's a great deal. And I think it allows for a, a really great practice environment and also a great learning environment for the kids. Are, the, are those key words and those key phrases, are those things that you guys have sat down at, at one point or another and, and said, okay, what's the best way we can teach this? Or is it something that you just ended up hearing yourself say a lot and then you said, hey, guys, this is kind of how we need to coach this. That way everyone can remember it. Or is it something you guys sat down, you know, over an off season and said, okay, what's the the most concise, best way to say this and be able to say it with tempo? No, I think you need to talk about it. I think you have to talk about it because I knew one thing when I became a coordinator the third time where I knew nothing, um, but I knew I wanted, I wanted us to be on the same page. And I knew the one thing I did not want was I didn't want it to be my guys. It was our guys. It's not, I'm the D-line coach, I coach the D-line. No, 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 you coach the defense. You coach our guys. So I think if you, if you want that mentality, then you have to talk about what words are we going to say for tackling, for backpedaling, for anything in coverage that would relate to the front, you know, the back, the back seven or eight for us. What are you going to say for pass rush that may involve the, the three D-linemen and the two outside backers? Um, a, a good example for us is we, I love to have Coach Frost get up since he's coached on offense and defense. We decided as a staff we were going to – our key words for tackling was going to be long stride, short stride, shuffle, and shoot. And our key words for blocking were going to be long stride, short stride, strike, and drive. That way Coach Frost could get up in front of the group, give us a great presentation with film. He could talk to the offense and the defense in one team meeting and 
it was a team activity. It wasn't just offense and defense. The other thing it allows us to do is in special teams, if I got to coach a, a defensive kid on kick return, I can say, hey, listen, bud, you've done this a thousand times. Instead of long stride, short stride, shuffle and shoot, it's long stride, short stride, strike and drive. If we got to coach an offensive kid to run down on kickoff, same thing. It's not long stride, short stride, strike and drive anymore. It's long stride, short stride, striking or shuffle and shoot. So I, I think that's a that's a very a very fragile element that you really have to sit down and talk about if you really want to believe in that and you really want to say that we're going to coach our guys and not my guys. I think it, I think it gives you guys a lot of like you know an instant evaluation system with your kids too because now you can hear if they're using those terms. You know, because I've started doing it with a lot of the the receivers here at Ankeny, and you know, and the kids start to repeat it. That means they're learning it. So, I mean, I, I for you guys too, you probably see it now. If you can maybe gauge where your defense is at, hey, when they're speaking my language, they must be getting it. Would you agree? There's, there's, there's no doubt. Like you know, when we talk about tackling, you know, what we say, you know, whatever the kid comes to the jump stop or you know whatever they used to say, but we always say even feet get you beat. If we show it on tape, the kid will immediately say, hey, even feet got me beat. And we're like, yep, move on. Next clip, you know what I mean? So when, when the kids can speak your language, you know, even the offensive kids can speak our language, I think it's a, it's a really good deal and it's a kind of a global ownership of the program. You talk about the benefit of, of being able to get so many reps in a practice. And, you know, you guys are an up-tempo offense, so you, you can do that a little bit easier. But if – if you were on a, a team that was a slower-paced offense, a huddle offense, it was something uh, in that manner, are, are there some ways that you've already thought about uh, maybe that you could still keep it up pace for you as a defense uh, and then still allow an offense, uh, you know, to be a slower-paced uh, team in practice? Yeah, I mean, it, when, we go, when we go scout team, we could theoretically do whatever we wanted, so, but we still keep it up pace. Um, you know, and then I think, you know, the number one thing is you got to get the scout team organized how you want it, how you want it organized. Um, we, we've come up with a, a pretty good system. Uh, we have three guys run the scout team. One guy runs receivers, one guy runs the O-line, and one guy runs the quarterbacks, tight ends, and, and running backs. Um, but we try to fire off as many reps as we want. The other thing that we, we mandate our, our graduate assistants to do is kind of learn the offense. So they put things in the offensive terms, you know, they don't, you know, when, when they drop the cards, they don't put in, hey, this is inside zone right. You know, they put in, you know, this is 50. You know, so it, it's it, – you have to learn what those guys are doing so we can communicate to those guys quickly. Um, you know, another good thing I thought we did when, when we were in the NFL, which is, you know, the NFL practice is closer to high school practice than college because of the limitations on players. I, I thought we did a, a, a really good thing where we – we uh, if the if the offense was up on on their team period, the twos and the in the practice squad guys were kind of the scout team, and the ones were over with with the the coordinator doing a walkthrough, and then we flip flop. So I thought we kind of got double work there. We could go fast pace, but we got double work. So I think I, I think it doesn't matter what your your offense does if you want to be fast paced on defense, you can get it done. I mean, I love that. To me, it's got to be easy for you to, to walk into to some of these high schools and to some of these, these homes of kids and you'll be able to tell them and, and show them, hey, you know, we have young guys that play early in our system because you guys get so many reps, because you guys split the field and you have two groups scrimmaging at the same time, you know, sometimes three or four when, when you have the numbers. But, I mean, I think it's got to make it real easy. It's like, dude, you're not going to sit around and try to learn the defense for three years and then hopefully you get on the field. Our goal is to see, Hey, we'll, we'll find out how good you are early and then we'll see if you can play. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and the one thing I'm trying to tell guys too is, you know, some guys will try to, I guess, negatively recruit us on the fact that, Oh, you guys are going to be on the field a lot. And I'm my counterpoint <laughs> to them is absolutely. You come to college to play football. You I don't come play. to college to sit on the bench. That's right. So you're, you're going to get to play football. And our twos are going to play as many reps as a lot of people's, you know, ones will play throughout the year. Uh, so I think practicing fast, number one, gets our kids ready for the game. The, the game is easier than practice, number two. And number three, it develops great depth um, throughout our team. You know, I've been on a lot of teams where, you know, you get 16 
12 to 16 plays in team and the, the twos get four of those or, or, or six of those. And to ask a kid to play on Saturday that's got 18 reps throughout the week is, is a little bit crazy to me. Um, but I, I just think – I think our system works for us. Like I said, you can – there's a lot of different ways to get it done. I, I 100% know that, but I think our system works works well for us. We develop great depth, and I think we, we have a good thing going. Well, I think – and, and Wall's already talked about recruiting just a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think the, the big buzz, obviously, over when you guys were at UCF was, was the job you guys did recruiting. You know, kids that – I'm sure there were some big name, some big name kids, but uh, you know I played in that conference. There's not a whole lot of big name guys necessarily, especially if in Florida. I'm sure they're going to the bigger colleges. So, uh, what are you looking for when you're finding these, you know, two star, three star guys that end up coming up playing for UCF and being, you know, guys in the draft? You know, it doesn't happen a whole lot at those schools. So, what are you guys looking and finding from these high school kids that some of the at the time some of the other bigger schools weren't seeing in these kids? Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, you know, you, you, you were working for a guy that, that values um, our coaching staff and values the guys that we want. He's not worried about the guys we don't get. And, and second off, I, I think there's a big-time miscommunication out there as people say, well, this school is really recruiting well. This school's not – recruiting is recruiting. That's getting them to sign. We did a great job evaluating, and I think our staff always will do a great job evaluating. I think evaluating and recruiting are, are, are two totally different entities, hmm. um, and, and I would trust any guy on our staff, the, the evaluation that they give on a certain player. Um, and, and then I th- kind of think that the, also the thing that, that we've, we did a great job was we, we got a lot of kids I mean, we sure we had a lot of kids that met the size and speed requirements and all that kind of stuff, but we had a lot of kids that love football. And, and man, anymore loving football is is I don't I don't I don't want to say it's more valuable than big and being big and fast, but it, it's it's right up there. And those dang kids that we had at UCF, they they loved football. Um, they loved each other. They were tough kids that weren't afraid to get physical. And I think I think those are the type of kids that. That, that we need, and I think this staff can really develop players so we're, we're not afraid of a kid that we think could be great that, that isn't great at this moment. Um, but once again, that goes back to evaluation, I think. Coach, talk, you know, kind of in that same vein, talk a little bit about, you know, I've heard you, you mentioned it a few times and some of the, the other assistants, you know, the, the culture of that room, you know, being able to, to change the culture of that room by adding a, a kid of a certain character, you know, say like a, a Shaquem Griffin, you know, how, how does bringing in, you know, one or two guys who are maybe ultra competitive, you know, they are great teammates. How can that completely change the complexion of an entire position group heck, for an entire defense? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're talking about, you know, X room, whatever that room might be linebackers, right. It's not a very good room. Um, you know, the kids that are playing are not very good kids. That That's when you need to try to find some guys that are great character kids, great team kids that you think can be good players and get them in there. And, and I think there's also a time where you have a, an unbelievable room and the best player available is kind of a wild horse rider. You can you can take that kid and, and that room can absorb him and, and he's either going to turn around and he's going to be like the rest of them or he's gonna, he, you know he's got to go. Um, but I think getting the room right as we say all the time in our staff meetings, getting yeah. the room right is the most important thing. So what does your room need? Do you need some guys that love football and are ultra competitive above all else? And we're just going to throw them out there because we know that they're going to blow these guys away in winter conditioning and in and, and practice. Does your room need a, a, a great character kid that can be a, a father figure for a bunch of young players that are really good players but need to grow up? You know, does does your room need that that guy that's going to walk right on the edge because you got a bunch of really good players that are really good kids, but nobody that's you know the fire starter in there. So I think finding finding that mix of just the, the the phrase we always say is getting the room right is mm-hmm. is invaluable, and I think that's part of once you become you know an, an elite program that's part of the evaluation as much as it is that I can go out on the practice field and see that he's a really good player. No kidding. So can everybody else. But is he the right guy for us? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I just think that that's one of the things that gets overlooked so much. And I think it's even in high school, too. You know, I mean, you know, do, do I pull a kid up who, who's really, really talented? Well, how's he going to fit in with those older kids? You know, I just think it, when you guys had talked about that and you said, you know, get in your room right, it really struck a chord with me and got me thinking, you know, it's like, hey, you know, th those are some things that I need to be able to do. Or maybe it's a kid that I need to, to maybe develop his leadership a little bit and say, hey, you know what, Johnny? maybe you need to be a little bit more vocal or, you know, you need to, to show a little bit better example because here's what's happening in the room. Is that some of the stuff maybe you do with the guys that are in there as well? A absolutely. And I think, I, I think it's a, it's const it's a constant juggling act uh, of your room. You got to explain to them why you're bringing in X guy, what, what they're there to do. Um, Cause kids don't know. And, mm -hmm. and also I think, you know, you know, we talked to, we talk a lot about, you know, you, you have guys in your room that you think are leaders. Like, I, I think one of the biggest travesties of all is we nominate kids to be leaders. Yeah. And we say, well, Brady Walls is going to be the – he's got leadership potential. Hmm. Well, who's teaching him how to be a leader? Hmm. You know, are, are you going to teach that kid to be a leader and lead the rest of that room? Are you going to bring in somebody else that you think is going to be the leader, but then you got to teach him to be that leader? what do you need to do in your room? And I, I think that's, that's a huge piece of being a, a position coach or a coordinator is, is just how do you move those pieces around? I heard a, a, a great coach, Jerry Asnero, told me one time, he said, our job is to figure out who needs to be on the bus first and then second, what seat do they need to sit in? And, and I think that needs to be reevaluated every single day. I got to assume that's it's a little bit easier to do. Uh, obviously, when you've been at a program for a few years, you know all the kids; they know what to expect of you. Uh, now, kind of going into a uh, a new school, a bunch of new kids that have done it one way, and now they're getting used to a new way. Uh, were there like some some major things that you go into when you're going into a new program, and and you kind of have to set your new standard that you're thinking of uh, that you have to do when you guys show up at a new place? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, I think Coach Frost talks about we need to set a new standard every single day. And you're either – if we set the standard today on Wednesday, we're either going to meet the standard on Thursday or we're not going to meet the standard on Thursday. Um, but I think, you, you know, we're getting to know these kids and, and we don't know them well enough yet. But I know what I want it to look like. Our coaches know what they want it to look like and it doesn't look like that yet, and it's not going to look like that for a long time because um, it, it, just, it just takes a while. Once you really see what it looks like, no matter where you go, it takes a while. So we're, we're constantly trying to bring those new pieces in, um, moving guys around, pushing buttons, trying to figure out how to motivate guys and teach guys constantly because I, I really believe that everybody learns differently, and it's our job as coaches and teachers to figure it out. But I think it's a struggle at the beginning because you're, you're really trying to figure out what you got. Is somebody faking it? Are they not faking it? Hmm. Once we figure out truly what we have and the new pieces we're going to add to this mix, then we'll be able to make some strides. But that's going to that's gonna take a little bit, I think. Who's the guy you really lean on for that? Is that something you guys lean on Coach Duvall for? Is he kind of the guy that can, can really test them and, and find out how these guys bleed a little bit? Yeah, so he's – he's a guy that I'm always asking, you know, as we, as we left the recruiting period in December and we came back, how did they perform over the winter time? You know, how do they do leadership wise, skill wise, speed and strength wise? I go in and observe them a little bit. Um, and then over this, this summer period, we'll do the same thing. And, and it, it's, it's, it happens every single year. Somebody completely flips, somebody completely takes a nosedive. Some guys remain steady Eddie. Uh, but but he's a he's a great guy to lean on because obviously we're not there with him in, in some of the some of the major maturation times throughout their career and he he kind of has a pretty good beat on it. Yeah, uh, he 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 seems to me like I mean and he, you, I know you've talked glowingly about him, but I mean I, I, the thing I, I like about him is that he kind of thinks outside the box a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah, he's got some old school stuff to him, but then at the same time, you know, he's willing to change and he's he's kind of got the same you know, inquisitive nature like you guys have, you know, you, you wanted to know why, 
you know, and you would change. And to me, you know, Coach Duvall has kind of done some of that same stuff because you sit there and you watch him and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. I never thought of that. And he could explain it in a certain way. Like, you know, you explained your defense to me and then you tell me why. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that. It makes sense. Same thing with Coach Frost. Is that kind of why, you know, maybe you guys feel like he's such a perfect fit for what you guys do? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, you know, and I know I, I don't know enough about that area of, of of the world, the strength conditioning area is kind of a, it takes a lot of work to be great at that. And he's great at it. Um, and I know the first thing I know is our guys were big and strong and we had zero soft tissue injuries at, at central Florida. So he's, he's got my boat. I know that. Um, and the second thing is, is he, he will come to me and ask me, what do we want from every position? What exactly should they do? What exactly movements should they execute? What do we want that player to be? And he's obviously he was the strength coach of the year, but he will tailor his workouts. If I say I want this guy to be this, he will change the workout so that guy becomes that. Um, and I, I just think that our whole staff is kind of like that. We have a learner's mentality. Um, we have servant leadership, and I, I think he's an unbelievable asset to our program because, like you said, he obviously has some of the old Husker power. He knows how to get it done, but he's constantly, constantly evolving to the way the football game is changing, to the way kids are changing. Um, not only that, but he's, a, he's also great with the kids. The kids really love him. Um, they're another guy that they can confide in if, if they need somebody outside of their position coach or their coordinator or whatever. But uh, I, I think he's got it all. Coach, I know you move around a little bit while you're the, the coordinator, and it's, it's, it's perfect. I mean, when, you, when we go and, and visit you guys, because you can, you know, kind of tell us what's going on at practice, but I still see you gravitating to the trenches a little bit more, right? That, that kind of your, your offensive line background, and you know, you've coached some defensive line. You know, is that, is that kind of your, yeah. your, your little bit of your passion, you know, where the game kind of is won and lost? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, you hit it on the head. That's kind of – I think that's where the game is won and lost. I don't care what, what they say is power football or spread football or whatever. I think the game is kind of won and lost up front. Um, I, I like being around with the DBs and, and that kind of thing. But um, as, as we all know, those D the DBs are a little different personality, a little <laughs> a little, uh, <laughs> a little, little more – maybe even a little more fragile back there. And I kind of like being up with the – the big guys up front where we can, we can get down to get down to the dirty work. And um, like me and Nelly always used to say, we'll, we'll go out and play, uh, we'll go out and play inside run and then they can do seven on seven. The high soccer's can go out there and do that. And we'll just, we'll just keep <laughs> score like that. But, um, and I, I love the D line. I, I love being with all the position groups, but I, you know, the, the D line guys, it's fun to be with. And I, I love being down there with those guys. Well, Coach, getting back a little bit to, you know, like you said, you guys you know it was one of the cool things that Walls told me as soon as he got back from Nebraska. It was like you would question – it's like the staff had questioned every single thing you were doing. It's like you weren't just doing, you know, even like stretch. It wasn't like, hey, we've always gotten lines and done this for stretch, so we're going to stretch. It's like it's almost every part of practice, every part of meetings have been like questioned. What are the reasons we're doing this, you know, and, and changing something else. Like you've already kind of talked about, is that something that you guys – like consciously sit down and say, okay, let's go all through practice and, and see if that's the way we want to do it? Or is that just something that through the years from people asking questions that things have, have changed? I, I think both. I think, I think throughout the years, you know, we're, we're always making adjustments, but I think our staff, you know, we constantly reevaluate it. We meet as a staff and we don't meet a long time. I think, you know, that's a, a misnomer about our staff. We meet for, however long we need to meet for. Sometimes it's a long time. A lot of times it's really short, but we talk about practice. We talk about exactly what needs to be done. And usually we talk about it on both sides of the ball before we get together as a, as a whole unit. Since we practice in the morning, our staff, our whole staff meets um, in the at late afternoon, like 4.30. Um, so by the time we get into that meeting, the defense and offense have already talked about, you know, what we want to get done as far as, far as practice um, goes. And I, I think, you know, with Coach Frost, the, the only wrong answer is because that's the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think when you – when you if anybody says that, we all kind of look around and say, uh-oh, that, that, that's not going to be good. <laughs> you know, be, be, because that, that's just – that's not the right answer. That's not fair to the kids. It's not fair to us. It's, 
just because we've always done it that way, that that's that that's insane. I mean, there's always a better way. Maybe maybe not, but there's always a way you could tweak it or detail it a little more. But I think if there's something in question, let's get it talked about because there there's drills that have been going on for a thousand years that that I say, well, Scott, that's that's pretty dumb from the way that that football that football's going now you know if football has changed we got to we got to change this thing and there's things that he tells me that we're doing is dumb and he's right um but but i think i think you need to you know have, have that deal where everyone on the staff can talk even the gas or the graduate assistants or the, the quality controls or whoever anybody's opinion is valid and if somebody has a question or somebody has a better way let's at least let's at least talk about it and maybe we'll say, forget it. The way we're doing it was better. That's fine. But at least we talked about it. Um, but I, I think when we walk out on that field, we have a pretty good game plan. And, you know, like I tell a lot of our guys, listen, I, I don't care whose idea it is, especially in the defensive room. If it's the linebackers coach, if it's the GA, the GA's idea, when we walk out of this room and we all agree it's our idea and we're going to own it. We're not going to say, well, that was dumb. I wish I told him we should have done this. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not how our staff is. Our staff, once we walk out of something with an idea on paper, that, that's how it is. It's our idea, and, and that, that's the way it goes. Well, I think that probably, you know, helps your players as well. I can remember playing and, and having coaches have us do certain things or, you know, do whatever it is a certain way and, and multiple of the players just being like, hey, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense, it, it, you know. And so, yeah, you still are going to work hard, but there's got to be a little bit of disconnect when, when, you're, when the, your players see that there's no sense in doing something, but, but your coaches, uh, you know, maybe haven't reviewed uh, like you guys have. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there, there's time, there's times out in the field where I, I've, I've confidently told the players, listen, this is not helping us that much on, on defense, but guess what? We've got it scripted. So three periods down, they're going to give us a look that's not going to help them very much on offense, but we both need to, we both need to do it. We both want to see good on good reps versus live bullets. And, and so we're going to service each other a little bit today, but, but there's a lot of times where you don't talk about it and they say, the players say, well, this is stupid. And you say, I know, I don't know why we're doing it, you know, but, <laughs> but I've, I've, I've never been in that situation as long as I've been working for coach Frost. So it's, it's really an empowering thing. I think. Coach talk a little bit about how, you know, and, and I, I love the, the way that you do it, obviously. And there's, there's probably a, a few schools that do it, but I mean, I love how you guys, you know, you go hard, you tempo, you know, usually your segments aren't longer than 10 minutes, right? And then almost immediately after that, you know, the, the kids are going to be a little bit gassed or whatever, but you guys always have a correction and a teachable period where you guys can slow it back down and maybe you focus on some. So I know like the practice I was at, you know, I don't know if you guys hadn't gone over, you know, like nub tight end. So you guys went back and just kind of reviewed, okay, hey, remember nub tight end, we haven't covered it a lot. But you guys, you guys can make the correction. You know, talk a little bit about the the way to practice there, how it, you know get can kind of you know fast and furious reps, and then you can get those guys reengaged and fix something that was immediate. Give that feedback. Yeah, so I think no matter whether you're a spread team or you're a huddle up team, um, I've been part of both, and in both places, I think everybody, just about everybody, finished off the practice with like two or three or four whatever you were doing that day or, or your program team periods in a row. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we as coaches all thought we're scripting. All right, we're going to script. Here we go. We're scripting, uh, you know, first and second down base. Now we're going zone pressure. Now we're going team pass. And in our minds, we had three team periods. And the, the kids, if you listen to kids, and I know there's, there's a lot of BS that they say that, that doesn't really matter. But if you filter it out and you listen to what they – they have to say in, in whatever it is, a 10th or a, a fourth, or maybe it's most of the time has some meaning. You know, one kid said to us, I can't even remember where, but coach, we don't have three team periods. We got one that's 30 minutes long. And we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know what? He's right. <laughs> and, 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 and the first thing is, is they're tired the second thing is, is they don't understand when the, the break is, when the, the period's shifting. So it's just a big mass of plays to them. So now we've kind of tempered it to where 
we're going whatever whatever it may be you know you're going base first and second down you're going a 10 or 12 minute period you're running like hell and then we're going to take a four or five minute period and we're going to teach whether it's going to be probably slower than a walkthrough it's going to be more of a stand and talk period but I'm either correcting from the period before or I'm getting them ready for the following team period. Um, and that's going to go on between every, between every fast team. Um, and, and for multiple reasons, like we talked about, A, the kids are going to get a little bit of a break. They're going to get some water so that they can do those next 24 reps as fast as they can go instead of half-ass. And, and number two, they're going to know what we're concentrating on when we go to the next period. They're not, it's just not going to be a jumble of plays. They're going to know we're going to go to um, third down seven to 10. They, they know what we're trying to get done. They understand the situation. It, it just seems to be a much better, much better practice for us as opposed to the way we used to do it. Well, Coach, you touched on a little bit also, you know, having those AM practices, which is when I was in college, it was when I think Oregon was either first starting to do it or is when I first started hearing about it. And I always thought, you know, how great of an idea it was to be able to, you know, for me, the thought was you get to go in. First thing you do is go and practice. There's no part of your day where, you know, you first wake up, you go play football. And then but I thought the coolest part was then after your classes, now you get to go back. The kids want to look at the film anyways. Like, after you practice, you want to see how you did. And so it's like right after that, whatever it is, a few hours after class, then you come back in and you actually get that day, you get to know what you did wrong, what you did right. It's still kind of fresh in your mind. Whereas, you know, kind of how we had done it and how the majority of people have done it for a long time is you practice at 6, 6 to whatever, 8.30, then you sleep on it all night, and it's not till the next day at like 4 you get to actually watch this film that you'd done 24 hours ago. So uh, has that been a big benefit or what are some of the the major benefits that you guys see in, in uh, practicing in the morning? So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I think we get a a lot of benefit. Number one, like you said, we break that meeting time. I remember when I was in college, we had one meeting time. It was before practice um, and however long it was. Now we cut that in half and we kind of do install, um, before practice and then we review the film after practice and then coach frost has us in that second meeting it's at like 5 30 dinners at six and he does that intentionally so you know how like some some guys want to go along in their meeting or whatever they can't <laughs> so awesome. the, the, the kids the, the kids are out right away um to dinner so i think that's a good a good thing like you mentioned i think the second thing is um I knew there were some days when I was in college where you go to class all day, either A, you go to class all day and then you're dreading practice because you're tired or B, I just sleep in and skip class and then go to practice Right. with mm-hmm. our guys that they're up for practice. We, we know, we know three things. We know they've ate breakfast because they have to be there and we check them into breakfast. We know they've practiced. We know they've ate lunch because they go right from our practice to lunch and we monitor that then there's really, I mean, I'm not saying that nobody's ever gone back to their dorm and, and went to sleep, but it's, it's, it's much, much harder to go back to your dorm and go to sleep instead of go to class. Um, and also, a kid has an opportunity every single day to see a professor. If you practice in the afternoon, it's really hard to go to office hours. Our right. kids have the opportunity every single day to go to office hours. Um, thirdly, I think it gives us a little recovery time. You know, whatever it may be, it may only be an extra four or five hours at the end of the, you know, at the year Friday, um, maybe eight or whatever, but it's still a little bit more. And, and the last thing is, I think it's big for me as a coach. I, I remember being in the afternoon practice, we would get done at, you know, whatever time, six, we'd eat dinner and shower, and then seven to whatever, 10, you're watching the film, and then you're making game plan decisions at 10 to midnight. For me, we watch the film from one until three or four or whatever, and then I'm making some game plan decisions between three and four thirty or three and five. We meet with the kids. We may get back together at seven o'clock at night or six thirty, but I'm doing you know busy work when it gets late and I'm tired. Um, so for me as a coach, it's it's a much much better operation. I. I just think it works a lot better for me. My mind works better in the morning when I'm fresh and throughout the day. And then at nighttime, it's just watch more film, draw cards, 
you know, make some recruiting calls, get what you need to done, get done. Um, but I, I think the, the, the schedule just works out better for the coaching. Were, were you around when this was first decided to be implemented uh, or was it something that you kind of came into? Because I've always kind of been curious about that because that's got to be, you know, of all the things to question, that seems like one of the big things that always happened in the afternoon after classes, after all this. It seems like it would be a, a, quite a big undertaking and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff to shift it around and you'd have to be fairly confident in yourself to make that big of a switch. Yeah, so I think um... – you know, when I got to Oregon, I'm not sure if that was the first year or the second year they had done it, but that was my first kind of rodeo with, with that deal. And I, it kind of smacks you in the face right away, and especially the pace we practiced at. I was kind of lost for about a week. But after I got my, you know, my bearings, I, I was like, man, this is the best thing I've ever done. And I, I don't know how I'd ever go back. Um, when we got to Nebraska, they had been an afternoon practice operation. And so we wanted to practice in the spring to get them used to it. We had to go ultra early. We're usually not not super early, but we kind of had to because of the class schedule. And it, it's a lot of moving pieces now to, to get the university committed to it. And I think mm-hmm. I think Nebraska as a whole is, is going to be very, very good to us. And they're going to help us um, get what we need to get done and, and move some classes around and some some schedules with some kids. But I, I think it, it is a big undertaking the first year to get it done. But if I think if you can get it done, the the ends justify the means. I was going to say, is is Scott Frost now officially the most powerful guy in Nebraska because he got all that done? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the most powerful guy, but I think he he might be the most popular right now. <laughs> that's got to be insane. I mean, that's the other thing I'd ask you. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, in Nebraska, a state that it's the only show in town. You know, and, and when you guys were in, in Orlando, obviously there's a lot more stuff going on. You guys could be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more visible because, you know, not, not the only show in town, plenty of stuff going on. What, what's it like, you know, there's some positives, there's also some drawbacks, but you got to love at least, you know, the, the fan support and know that there's going to have all, the, all that stuff behind you guys. You know, if, if there is something you need, it's going to get done, but they're all going to be like, oh, hey, that's Eric Shenander over there. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're a celebrity. I, guess, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but uh, I, I think you know, I, 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 that that stuff never, never bothered me. Never factored into any 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 kind of decision. But I, I think it's awesome that, that the fans we have here and, and the people that are around the and the, it, I'll, I'll just tell you this: even if the people know who we are and see us around town, it's not like it's a crazy deal you know like you hear about on 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 tv sometimes i mean these guys want to say hey we're glad you're here great Mm -hmm. to see you they're awesome awesome people um to know that the support is there throughout the athletic department and through the whole university and the state for that matter is an unbelievable feeling and you know just like people always said you know uh, when you were at philadelphia oh man those fans are brutal there it's ruthless (laughs) It, it is it is but that's what I, that's what I want to be in. I, I don't want to be in a place where it doesn't matter if you win or lose. That, that, that's not what I'm interested in. I want to be at a place where every down matters. Everything, mm-hmm. we, it's always on the line, no matter what we do, practice, press conference, when I'm on run the power, that, it's on <laughs> the line because pe- people are listening. And that, that's what I just want to be a part of that. It, I, I don't think, I don't know, I, I just, I don't think anything you do, if it's easy, it's probably not worth it. And and everything that I've done, there's been a lot of risk. But if there wasn't, I don't I don't think I would I would have wanted to be part of it um, because I I need it to be hard a little bit or else or else you get kind of bored. And I, I think this is hard. This is a hard job. It's a job that's very visible, and people are gonna watch everything you do. But I think that just makes you that much better. And I'm I'm so happy to be here. I was going to say, I don't even think my dad or anyone that I knew was Nebraska fans, but he was, he's always been a coach at the same high school. And ever since I was, you know, whatever, five years old, they've had some big Nebraska poster. And I don't know why they had a Nebraska poster, but big Nebraska poster up and said, like, set the, had a big picture of the stadium and had it that it was, has been sold out for whatever ridiculous 25 years or something crazy on it. Uh, it was, it's been hanging in, still probably hanging in their uh, office now. Just, I mean, what just a, football mecca almost uh, over at nebraska so 
uh, would have to be just an exciting thing to be a part of and, and see everyone that loves football in that area. Yeah, and you, you go out to, you know, you go out to uh, spring game and there's, you know, 91,000 people in the stands. I've been part of spring games where there's 91 people in the stands, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and I mean, it's just an unbelievable thing. And you would think, you would think that we were, we were playing uh, Miami for the national championship in the nineties. And it, it's, I mean, gosh, it's just a special thing. And, and the way that those people support us and, and cheer and, 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 and would do anything for us is, is an unbelievable feeling. And the, you know, you talk about the, the longest sellout streak in all of college football. And, and that's something that I didn't know until I got here. Um, but they're going to come win or lose. And I'm hoping we don't, we don't lose very, very long. But <laughs> I mean, the, the, the fans are going to show up and this, this might be, you know, I, I talked to a lot of coaches around the country and they're talking about, man, you're so lucky. And I'm like, I know we're, we're coaching at Nebraska. They're like, no, they're so lucky because you get to be at Nebraska on game day. That's, that's one that I've always wanted to go to. You know, we, we sold out 361 games in a row. And, and, and it's the third biggest city in Nebraska on game day. And it's, it's going to be awesome to just be around that environment. So I think these people, you know, they're, we're in the middle, we're in the middle of America and there's not a whole lot in Nebraska, but these people got it figured out. I know that. I know I'm excited, man. I'm a, I'm a, a proud alumni and, and it'd be, be awesome to get back to the days. I mean, the, the first year I went to college, there was 97. So it would have been, you know, coach Frost, last year there and the year they won the national title and you know quite honestly it's it's been a little bit of a, of a lull from there but you know, I just know going back and I've been back god knows how many times between then being a football coach you get a little bit of access you know this is the the first time where I've really felt like it feels like home again you know I'm, I'm like pr- proud again to kind of be a Husker and you know that the right staff's in place you know I, I got complete trust in Frost I got complete trust in, in you guys on defense, and, and I'm just excited, man. It's fun to be a fan again. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's fun to be here, and I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you got a guy in charge that, well, first and foremost, when, when Scott was offered this job, you know, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, this may be the only time in the history of college football when every person in the state, every fan, every alumni – every person at the university, the president, the athletic director, everybody's aligned in one direction. They want one guy and they're going to get that guy. <laughs> um, and, and that's pretty cool to be part of. And the second thing is the staff that he put together. It's not a, it's not a, you know, happen chance. It's not a, by luck. It's not, I hired a bunch of guys who I thought were good coaches. He hired guys that he thought were really good guys. They were really good teachers that cared about kids that wanted to do it the Nebraska way. Um, and I think the right staff's in place. I think the administration's in place. I think the president's in place. Like Scott said, I think there's a unity of purpose again. And I just think that right now we are all pulling the rope in the same direction. And I think it's, that, that's a really special thing when you can be part of that. No doubt. I, I got to watch a video on Twitter. It was like his first time showing up to a bunch of the former Nebraska players, and and uh, I think every, uh, it was it gave me chills. And I wasn't even a Nebraska fan. I was like, that is really really cool. So I'm sure, and I know Coach Wall is really excited. So uh, it's going to be a fun season, uh, Coach. I, I know you're really busy, so uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time. But kind of the last question I like to ask ask guys is, um, and it's really cool to see it from a defense coordinator perspective. But uh, when you're watching an offensive line play. Uh, what's some things that they would be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, you, you know, first and foremost, I think when you're when you're watching the offensive line, it's we we present people with a lot of different looks, I guess, and sometimes it's by accident, sometimes by call, but <laughs> we're we're not lined up traditionally um, all the time, and I think when I watch those guys. And, and they can get the calls made, whether it be the center or the tackles or whoever, and they're running their pin and pulls, they're running powers, they're running gap schemes and zone schemes, they're running pass pro. When they can get that thing called out and communicated and it looks like it's supposed to look, it looks like a, 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 you know, a, a symphony instead of a, a, you know, a punk metal band, 
it, it's, it's that, that's a thing of beauty to me. And he, I, I was an O line guy for a long time, so I, I love that. And and then the, the the second thing is is I love to see guys come off the rock. You know, I, I don't I don't like I don't like passive guys. I don't like guys that got to get 17 steps in the ground and try to figure out what somebody's doing. I like guys that come off the rock and smash people and, and want to finish people to the ground. And, you know, maybe, you know, as a defensive guy, I probably shouldn't say this, but I love those guys that are playing probably till the whistle blows and just a little bit afterwards. Cause <laughs> those are the guys that I want. Those are the guys that I want on my team. So, so would you say that power is the best playing football then? You know what? I think on offense, I think I think power is the best playing football. I, I think I think I think I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's and everybody teaches power a, a little bit different way, but I can still recite the day that I got taught power exactly how to do it. And I think everybody has the the ability to come off the rock and, and knock somebody off the football. And you know, it's kind of like inside zone in the, in the fact that the defense can't be right as long as the offensive line executes. And I think it's one of the times where the offensive line has, has the chalk last, you know what I mean? Um, doesn't matter what look you present them, the offensive line gets a chance to, to adjust that block just a little bit. And the, the, the one thing I know is if you got some double teams up front, however far you remove that double team is how many yards you're going to gain. Now, if you remove that double team three yards, you might gain three, you might gain 93, but you're going to at least get three. So if you can get those cats to believe we need to move some guys off the ball, then I think you got yourself a hell of a football play. You guys heard it right there from the expert himself. Power is the best play in football. <laughs> no, no more of this outside zone stuff. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> we get these guys on here that want to debate it all the time. We're, we're stamping it right now, Chins. Well, you can you can tell them that the, a defensive guy said so, and that'll be a whole other uh, cause of debate. But <laughs> I'm I'm in, I'm in for power, my man. All right, Chins, we'll let you get rolling, man. We know you got a a huge undertaking ahead of you. We're uh, we're excited, and uh, any ch- any chance Coach Harp and I can get, man, we're going to try to get up to Lincoln and and see you guys. We know that uh, you guys are awesome hosts as well, so we appreciate you guys for that. You're not these. You know, top secret, we know all the football. You guys are always very, very willing to, to help people. And, and most certainly coming on our podcast, you're going to help a, a ton of coaches that, that do listen to this thing. So we appreciate it, man. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. We grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.